Baker lives out of the Wilkie Hotel. He looks out a window with that glass. The wall's made of cardboard. Newspapers on the street, and his father beats him because he's too tired to beg. He's got nine brothers and sisters. They're brought up on their knees. It's hard to run. They're both on the beats are on the thighs. Pedro dreams of being older and killing the old man. But that's a slim chance. He's going to the boulevard. He's going to the Good evening. This is What Does It All Mean podcast. Tonight we're going to discuss racism. take on uh, the, the politics or the, the racism in, in America. I think my favorite line in that whole thing is, uh, <coughs> what's he say? He says, give me your hunger, you're tired, you're poor, I'll piss on them. That's what the statue of bigotry says. Your poor huddled masses, let's club them to death and get it over with and just dump them on the, on the boulevard. Get them out on the dirty boulevard. What's going on, everybody? What's up, Greg? That's a, that's a, a, a funny statement. You're awake. You're the most woke person I know, my friend. <laughs> So, all right, this uh, episode's going to be about racism. Me and Greg, uh, he was on the episode last week, and uh, three Greg, and we were discussing tons of things, but the very last topic was was, uh, racism, because I think it's a prevalent thing in America for the last 400, oh, 200 years. So, all right, let's get into this. Let's get into this. That's what caffeine's for, definitely. Right now I'm drinking Thai iced tea, which I always drink. So, um, yeah, that's my caffeine. I'll be up till 3 in the morning now. But the last time we did this, Greg, um, literally by the time we were done, I was like, yeah, I was going to do a next episode, but I got extremely tired. You don't, You wouldn't think that this kind of thing you know, it takes anything out of you, but it does all this, all the thinking and, you know, trying to figure out what does it all mean? All right. So 
I'm just going to get into a little brief history of, uh, of living in Orange County and, and me, my personal, um, experiences with racism and just culture in general. You know, I don't want this to be completely about just, uh, you know, racism. It's, it's more or less about culture. When I was little, and, uh, my father was famous. He was the greatest samurai in the empire. And he was the shogun's decapitator. He cut off the heads of 131 lords. It was a bad time for the empire. His castle, and he never came out. People said his brain was infected by devils. My father would come home. He would forget about the killings. He wasn't scared of the shogun, but the shogun was scared of him. Maybe that was the problem. come from so me personally I I'm from Orange County I I was born in Anaheim California my uh, my roots my mom was from Fresno my grandfather was from San Francisco my grandmother was from Marin County so they were very open-minded people and in saying that uh, I was cultured extremely young I, I don't think that I had the standard uh, American upbringing. I think coming from the San Francisco Marin County, I think people are very open-minded up there. And then you bring them down to Orange County and then boom, you, you have a different culture. And so uh, some things that I remember early, you know, I had stayed at my grandparents' house a lot growing up. And uh, I remember uh, in the fifth grade, I had to give this, uh, this, what is it like you share your experiences with life and they wanted to actually share your culture, like something that wasn't your culture, somebody else's culture that you had to learn about in like the fourth or fifth grade. And at that point, uh, my grandfather had been to Japan because he was a, a professional baseball player and, uh, he played in the, in the big leagues and, uh, right when he was in his first season, they drafted him to go to uh, Japan to play in the army in Japan. So at that point, he did other things besides play baseball. He was in intelligence and other things like that, but mainly it was baseball. And so I think my grandfather, he fell in love with the culture. He fell in love with the people. Uh, when he was telling me about the, uh, you know, that he was giving me all these slides that from these pictures that he took with these little like Polaroid things because it was the, the the 80s and he probably went early or like in the, in the 60s and uh, I had all this information and it was just overwhelming 
and it was awesome. And by the time I was in the fifth grade, I already kind of had a concept of, of the Japanese, you know, culture. And uh, I remember him actually embracing it so much that he would have like、uh, exchange students come over and they'd, they'd learn. You know, over here, and then they'd live with him, and I would be like six or seven. And I just remember being around, like, you know, this different culture. Like, I remember this this girl that was going to to whatever high school or college, and and she was around me, kind of hanging out with me all the time. And, you know, as a kid, you don't see race. I didn't see race. All I saw was, you know, this cool lady hanging out with me. And, and I remember. Also, just having babysitters and stuff, and being from all you know, I remember that I had this one black babysitter that I was so young, she was like missing an arm, and and I asked her about her arm, and she was so nice about it. And it's the innocence of being a kid, you know, like I don't think I don't think racism and hate is is a you know, I think it's a taught thing, you know, I think naturally us as kids do not, uh. You know, we don't hate, we just we're curious, we want to know why things exist. And I think as we get older, we get influenced by, or you know, we get influenced by culture. And, and I'll give you an example. We were talking last week, me three, three Greg, and uh, he said, uh, you know,、uh, something about, he said something about holler. He just said the word holler, and I said something about $50. And that was some racist shit. And that's so embedded in the culture that it just, the, my natural response, it came out like that. And to me at that point, it showed me how embedded in the culture it is and into my own psyche. And I think as a culture, we got to stand back, or as a society, we got to stand back and say, hey, well, you know what? It's not correct anymore. It's 2021. And making fun of people's culture like that, even saying just something as stupid as holler, it's racist as fuck. And I felt stupid when it came out of my mouth. And we're all human and we all make mistakes, but I think it's the people that don't want to own up to the mistakes that are the problem. You know? So. And I think after I said that, everything got uncomfortable on the show, too. And that's just real talk, and that's real life. And,、uh, and then you have to reflect on the things that you know, you say and do. And when you have a conscience, you, know, you, you feel like, dude, why? Where did that hate come from? <clears throat> where, did that, where did that programming come from? Was it the government? You know, are they, was it war? Was it just my country's better than your country type thing? Which doesn't really make sense because, you know, we're all human. And that's what I have a problem with, you know? And lucky enough, I was, after I left Irvine, I got to, to go to,、uh, I mean, after I grew up in、uh, Anaheim for about eight years, I moved to Irvine. So at that point, I was kind of,、uh, I was blessed in that way too because Irvine in the 80s was rad because you had every single culture you could ever imagine. You had this Tustin Marine base, and so you had just tons of people from different walks of life from the, just that Tustin Marine base. And then you had Asian people, you had 
uh, you just had everything. You had Persian people, and it was like Persian New Year, like this week again, so happy Persian New Year. Like, there's so much culture in Orange County and in Los Angeles that that's why I love being here. You know, to me, New York, Los Angeles, I haven't been to London yet, but I really want to go to London. I heard there's just so much culture and people are so much, you know, they're... First time I went to New York, I, there was the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and I didn't know what the hell that was. There were flags everywhere, uh, people just just honking, and cars just just the streets were packed. You couldn't get by. I'm on this bus. Finally, I step off the bus, and uh, I look at I, I I just say something. I'm like, "What the hell is all this about?" And because I was a little nervous. And uh, this lady, she says, uh, she's this like huge, big black lady. And she looks at me and she's like, it's Puerto Rican day, motherfucker. Don't you know? And I was like, no, I didn't know, but thank you. And then at that point, I, you know, I learned something and she laughed and we had a good time. And, and then I got to see what was happening with, I got to be part of the Puerto Rican day parade. And that was awesome. So I just think traveling the world you know like my grandfather he got to he got to go to japan and, and i think the more you travel the more you get to embrace different cultures even when i go to mesa you know sometimes i go to just mesa arizona and i get to embrace the people in mesa arizona they live differently than i live and i totally you know get to embrace their culture for you know however long i'm there so i i think the more that we shut off that you know, that connection to other cultures, I think that that makes us um, just more ignorant. And I think that's where it comes from. I think that's where racism comes from is ignorance and fear of what people don't understand, you know? So <clears throat> think of the first time you heard of voodoo, but it scared the crap out of you, you know? And then me personally, I know it did. I watched a movie called The Serpent and the Rainbow, scared me to death. You know, but when you start to really learn about other people's cultures, usually, you know, um, fear, th these religious uh, institutions want you to be fearful of, of thinking outside the box. So that comes in all forms, you know, so. Um, cult you are, who is the most famous one who was elected? Uh, mine is not with condensed milk. It is evaporated milk, by the way. Evaporated milk. So, and, and ironically, I do have tons of condensed milk because Melissa sometimes uh, gets that, which is funny. So, cheers again. So, greetings, Michelle. Hope everything's awesome in Australia. So, I don't know how the racism is in Australia, but here in America... Uh, I'm in, in, in an interracial relationship and I live in Orange County and I told you this is a melting pot, but in the Trump era, um, I've walked into Coco's in Mission Viejo and, uh, just walking in there, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, German, Irish and my chicks, she's, uh, she's just Melissa and, uh, basically every time we walk in, people just give us this look like, like, uh, like at least five people turn their heads like what's going on. And it starts to feel dangerous. Like we're in the, 
were in that movie Mississippi Burning, you know, and it's 2000, it was 2020, or no, probably 2019, because look, we, we lost a year, and uh, literally, there are people just look right at us like, you're not welcome here, and it would make me feel uncomfortable, but in saying that, I'd want to go back even more just to fight that, that stereotype of like, I can't go to Coco's and have some, you know, pancakes with my chick, what's that about, you know, so... I feel that in the Trump era that um, people really felt that uh, that they could just do things that they couldn't do before, you know, uh, <clears throat> just be aggressive, and uh, and that will get to, you know, the next part of this is, is now in America we have people walking up to random Asian people and punching them in the face, just punching them in the face. I completely don't understand that at all. There was a 76-year-old uh, lady that got punched in the face uh, up in San Francisco. And uh, she picked up a baseball bat and actually beat the crap out of the dude that did that. But who would hit a 76-year-old uh, 76-year-old lady? Yeah, they took the red pill, you know? <clears throat> and it's weird because they spun all that too, Michelle. They, they spun that because... In the woke movement before, that was like the good thing, you know? Like if you take that red pill, you were you were waking up. And that was the woke movement. And that was like 10 years ago, okay? So now that they've taken that aspect of the woke movement and tried to move it into their Trump world, it's just more disinformation. And that's where things just, that's where like our parents and, and people that are just kind of not so bright, they, they fall for those tricks. And they don't realize that these, these, I've already known about the Matrix and the Woke Movement 10, 15 years ago. I knew about all of the Pizza Gates and all of these things like 10, 15 years ago. But now they have this way to, to spin disinformation to have something like a Black Lives Matter and a Blue Lives Matter. Now, I'm going to break that down because I think Julia asked about that a question uh, last week. So there's this company called Cambridge Analytica. They no longer exist, but uh, prior to Trump, they helped him get elected. And to do that, they had to make false narratives. And the false narratives, meaning you had to have you know protagonist and an antagonist. Uh, you had to have a wrong and a right. So they had to create that. And so at one point, Blue Lives Matter just pops out of nowhere. And then a couple days later, you have this Black Lives Matter. And then I never heard of either of these things. And then, boom, they're both fighting one another. But ironically, in the, the power of this disinformation, the people kind of saw through the lies and just built up a movement that was so big in the Black Lives Movement that looked, it turned into the riots, it turned into people just showing what they're not going to stand for. And so, and then we had Trump sending, you know, these National Guard people to try to take out, uh, you know, these people that were peacefully press, uh, protesting, including some people that I know. And, and if I wasn't working, I would have been as well. So, but the point is a, a digital, a digital company named Cambridge Analytica created these two things so they could set off a uh, uh, a part of just some some racism so they could divide the people and then what they would do is they would have access to Facebook 
And when they would make the certain post, they were able to um, see who was susceptible to um, being influenced by their information. And at that point, if, say, you had someone like a, a parent or someone that, you know, was just not there, they would they would just hit them with this disinformation, you know, lock her up, do this, do that, do that. And these people start to fall for it because they see this and then they see their friends falling for it as well. And then at that point, it becomes like a little club. And usually these people don't have a lot of friends, like they don't have the hurt family. So when they don't have the hurt family, they look for other means. And then these other means are all of a sudden lock her up and, you know, stop the steal and you know uh now we have these these don't give people water you know don't don't give people water and don't let people vote past 5 p.m in georgia like you know that is all a form of racism it's all a form of of this fear of white power leaving america and i feel that there really wasn't ever a white power I mean, because America is made up of a whole bunch of immigrants. And before that, there were Native Americans. And before that, there were, you know, indigenous people. And it just goes back. So I think as we evolve as a species, we need to, you know, get over those type things and uh, move on. Because I think, you know, sooner or later, what's going to happen is the aliens are going to I know this sounds ridiculous, but they, it's not anymore. The aliens are going to pull up and we are going to, we're going to be all one race to those cats. And they are, they're going to, they're not going to see us as black and white. They're going to see us as food, you know? And, and that's the thing. And if anything, if the aliens do exist and, uh, they do pull up one day. I think they're going to want to see, they're going to be, they're going to be enlightened. And if anything smart create, you know, something intelligent has to create something to get here. And through intelligence, I think you find culture and diversity and understanding of different things. And Elon Musk even said it. He said that there's probably... Uh, tons of just first level uh, planets or um, basically planets that, that just blew themselves up because they couldn't get past their own ego and that says so much you know that explains Hitler that explains a lot and uh, you know there's a big gash on Mars and uh, that's why we're so invested there's a huge gash on Mars that, that looks like a nuclear accident, okay? So, uh, there's signs of nuclear debris, which is man-made, on Mars. I'm not making that up. You can Google that. And so, at that point, what happened on Mars? What happened? You know, realistically, we probably all started there, and this hatred and this, this racist behavior you know, happened there, and then we blew ourselves up, and somehow either our DNA was shot out over here, and like panspermia the uh, the earth, or some people learned how to get out of there, 
so. <clears throat> Aboriginal people in Australia have been fighting for their, I would say, lives. Land, oh, land for a long time. Yeah, it's, you know, when I when I go to Hawaii, it's the same thing. There's this, this, uh, this term, it's called no Hawaiian, no aloha. And I completely understand that, a thousand percent. I mean, if, if you want to go and visit, sure, but a part of me feels that if you want to go to this island that, that has been, you know, somebody else's for generations and generations, you should have some permission. And that's why I could never move to some place like Hawaii, you know, or Fiji or any place like that. I would need permission. And uh, I would feel like those people wouldn't want me there anyways. And uh, we can all travel wherever we want. But I think people that have been persecuted the most need a little bit of space. So, in that, in that, I'm going to get into just how uh, I brought up Trump a little bit. But I think Trump is very responsible for the racist crap that is happening in America right now with all of these terms with the pandemic, like the China the Wuhan virus, all that crap directly came from the mouth of a president. And he was not a president at all. He was a clown. We all know that. And it's disgusting. And he started it all with the Proud Boys. <clears throat> he said it. He was stand back, stand by and stand back or stand, stand, stand by and stand down. Whatever it was, the clown said these things. And uh, that's not fair. And, and that's not, that's not uh, freedom. You know, that's not freedom. And that doesn't, to me, that doesn't represent America. So uh, it's sad because I've seen that one post where it's like, even white people are sick of other white people's racist shit. And I think that's completely true. So I'm only going to go on for about 10 more minutes and I'm going to do some, some questions. And this is one thing, too, that, that bothers me. Um, I was, you know, we had that shooting in, um, in I don't know, somewhere in friggin' America. And uh, when that happened, that week, I was ironically going to get a massage. That's no joke. I was uh, going to schedule a massage. I'm a UPS driver. By day, my body's hurting, and I know things are opening up in California, so <clears throat> I was going to get a massage. And uh, when that, I, I grabbed the pamphlet, I was going to schedule it, and then all of a sudden, these people got shot, or you know, these massage therapists got shot in like several different areas in this one town. And uh, I don't understand. To me, that blows my mind. And then doing the research, they basically said that, uh, you know, this cop said this guy had a bad day and he was sexualizing these massage therapists, which is just really bizarre to me because I've been going to massage therapy places for like forever because I go to, you know, with, with UPS, we get a free massage every month because our body gets worked. And so let's see, 25 years of massage and I've never had any experience like that. I've never had one person 
say, you know, like uh, anything weird ever. I had one massage therapist actually say this to me one time. She was very, very uh, quiet. She wouldn't, she wouldn't stop talking the whole, you know, time. And the very end, she's like, can I ask you a question? And I said, what's that? And she said, what's this on your arm right here? She said, you, you don't seem like the type of guy that would be into to Adolf Hitler. And I said, oh no, that's Nikola Tesla. And then at that point, like we became really good friends. Her name's Christina. And we became friends at that point because she's like, my dad's really in the Tesla, taught me all about this stuff. Uh, and she's like, yeah, you didn't seem like the type of guy that listened to Hitler. But there was no funny business. There was no sexual stuff in there. And that's where the entertainment world, uh, movies, just government, war, all these things have sexualized a culture, which is, to me, it's disturbing. So I don't understand how that... that I, I do understand because it's kind of propagating. And through these films, Breakfast and Tiffany's, all these things, they just, they, they, they propagate these ideas of what, uh, you know, these Asian cultures should be. And coming from Irvine, you know, uh, I was embraced in the culture. I studied martial arts when I was like, I was involved with martial arts when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, my whole life. And uh, that, that is revolved around Asian culture. You know, uh, I studied Chinese Kung Fu. I, I studied Wing Chun. I studied even American Kempo, which was, ironically, if you want to break these things down, American uh, martial arts are very rough. And they want to break boards and they want to they want to punch you really hard and break you. And and the Chinese way, the the you know the Jeet Kune Do way, I studied that as well. It's not so much trying to break you, but it's trying to go with you and move you and redirect your energy in a different way. And that just says a lot altogether, you know? And uh, one of my favorite martial artists of all times, of course, is Bruce Lee. And growing up, you know, we had tons of Bruce Lee movies. They would just be on. And seeing that guy just kick everybody's ass, like, to me, like, there was no nobody cooler than Bruce Lee, you know, at, at friggin' any age. And so that's why I got into martial arts. And so that's why I don't really understand, you know, I would think that people would, uh, think like me, like, wow, like, look how cool Bruce is. He can kick everybody at everybody's asses, but uh, apparently that's not so. And so ironically, you know, with that 76-year-old lady, she proved that that one guy right and put him out on a stretcher. So, but also I don't want to, you know, it's 2021. I don't want to stereotype anything as it is, you know, like, because there could be, the way 2021 is, there could be someone that is from Asian descent, that's from Utah, that's a Mormon, that likes rave music from 1993, that's just, you know... There are no more boundaries. There's just what there is in life. And I, I, you know, to judge people for what they are is is ridiculous in 2021, especially after the pandemic. I feel that you should just live your life the best you can and try to uh, not hurt anybody else's feelings and not try to step on anyone unless they're doing something wrong. And a prime example of this is I was watching a video game, uh, highlight 
and uh, these these two people were like sh they had these guns, and one guy and they were looking at a wall, and one guy shot these hearts of a wall, you know, like a heart, and then the next guy started to to shoot a swastika, okay, and he wasn't all the way done with the swastika, but you could tell where he was going, and then at that point, boom. The, the dude shot with the heart just shot the guy with the swastika, you know, and I thought that was very clever, you know, because, come on, does that dude really, what's the point of that, you know? My mother was insistent on treating everyone equally race, color, and exactly, exactly. And, and, and I always say this, treat people how you want to be treated, right? Treat people how you want to be treated. And, uh... I don't want people to walk up to me and treat me like crap and, and tell me that I'm inferior inferior to them because it's not true. So it's confusing. It's not it's not so much confusing. I think it's confusing that people don't understand that simple fact. And you know, I think the one thing is you take a knife. This is what I don't understand, you know, like say someone's on a plane and it could be an international plane and all of a sudden someone has a heart attack. And then is there a doctor on the plane? Is there a doctor on the plane? And then all of a sudden, yeah, the doctor, you know, has to jump up and operate on this person no matter what color. And, and then everyone on the plane will be like, dude, I hope this person makes it. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, green, they all are concerned about this person. But when it comes to international borders and, and just problems, we turn our heads the other way. Or at least not we, you know, the, the people in charge tend to. So, yeah, I grew up, yeah, in a, in a household, like I said, my grandparents were very, uh, you know, very open-minded from San Francisco. There was no talk of, of racism. We were surrounded by animals. Uh, I remember seeing Martin Luther King speeches, like, every Martin Luther, you know, they, but they put those speeches up and we'd have it on and <clears throat> there was just no real racism in, in my household, you know? And so I'm lucky in that sense. So, and even the first time I heard like a, a you know, a derogatory, like the N word, I, I didn't even know what that was. And I had to ask, what does that mean? And, and that's how, you know, and then to find out that, you know, people judge each other on the, the color of their skin. That just, that seems fucking absolutely crazy. Because once again, what are we? We're just humans that pop around on different parts of the earth. And to me, it doesn't really make any sense. And if we're, if we're supposed to just stay where we're from, it would get extremely boring. So, uh, and, and the back to Bruce Lee, one of the reasons I, I identify with Bruce Lee as well is he's a double dragon and I'm a double dragon. So, uh, that's the Chinese Zodiac. And I find that, you know, awesome. I, I'm kind of stoked that that happened. It's very rare to be a dragon and then to be a double dragon. And if you guys don't believe me, you can look it up. I was born uh, October 31st, 1976. 
Uh, the time was 8.46, and both of those times coincide with the hour and the year of the dragon. So Bruce had that as well. So, have you heard of the Stolen Generation? No, I haven't. What is that? I think that uh, in 2021, we have way too big of problems uh, and to deal with uh, this kind of crap. And then, oh, this is just a side note, you know, when when uh, the Cold War was happening, the, the KGB, uh, when they finally fell, when the Americans were in the KGB, they actually found out that uh, the Russians were funding the Ku Klux Klan, so we would fall apart from the inside. And if you think about that, that just says everything, you know? So when you know that, that should make you realize, wait a minute, I don't want to be a part of something that is funded by somebody that wants you to fall. Doesn't make sense. So... such a serious topic <clears throat> I think we lost three Greg but if not that's why I do this late not to lose people but to, uh, to not think so much and just let it come out okay Christian church organizations decide that the aboriginal children were better off in white homes so they actually stole children. Yeah, that's insanity. That's complete insanity. It, that reminds me of, you know, here when there was slavery going down and these white masters would like have sex with the slaves and then they'd let them breastfeed their kids. And it, it's just like, what? What? I don't get it. You know, I, I don't understand. And, and yes, the religious aspect of things is, is, is the worst. The religious institutions that kind of um, suppress people and, and even even from their sexuality, all that stuff, you know, it, it's just a way to repress people's thinking and, and the way that they want to develop. And I feel that that's horrible. I think anyone, you know, everyone should develop the way that they want to in any which way. You know, it is happening all over the world. It's not just, it's not just here. And I think right now I'm focusing on the Asian thing so much because like I said, we've just, we've had the shootings. We've had late, like all these people punched in the face lately. And it's all because of this China Trump thing. And it's really insane. Oh, it, it, yes. Destroyed. Michelle says destroyed communities to this day. And Julia says it's happening in the UK. I, it's insane. It's happening all over the world and it, it, it never stops. I mean, I was looking at Africa and how they completely divided up Africa through white people. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's depressing. What's, what's the point of putting people in chains? I, I don't understand because karma's going to come back around. 
You know, that's that's the thing. Karma comes back around. Look at look at the Dalai Lama. He was forced out of, of Tibet. You know, he was forced out of Tibet. So if you guys have any questions or any comments, I'm getting, getting towards the end. It's already been 42 minutes, guys. Well, maybe 41, because I was, uh... Okay, here, I got a question for you guys. Is the song Hong Kong Garden racist or not? The Susie, the Susie song, Hong Kong Garden. Michelle says, it's the narcissist ones that want to control exactly the Hitlers, the uh, the guys with the little dicks. This is a true story. Hitler had uh, a deformed penis. That's real. There was a medical exam that said that, uh, that uh, yeah, he had, a, he had a deformed penis. So Michelle also says, no, Hong Kong Garden is not a racist song. No, and two for Julia. All right, that's two for Julia. See me, I... You know, like the song I'm turning Japanese, I feel definitely is. Hong Kong Garden, I I'm, I can't tell either. I'm on the fence on it. I really don't know. Um, but sometimes it makes me feel just, you know, weird. But using a, what, uh, not a melody, but a, uh, a scale, using a scale in the song of that culture you know it's more or less it is the lyrics racist you know but here's where it gets a problem when Dre when Susie dresses all up in in like an Asian person is is that racist because you know to me in the 90s everyone could do whatever they wanted you could dress as this person you could dress as that and nobody was really offended but now it seems like people are culturally offended and I understand that so, me personally, I would never dress up as like an Asian person and go perform on stage. That just is not going to happen. But I have worn like a kimono type thing out on stage and it was awesome. I felt rad in it. I liked the kimono. It made me feel relaxed. Kind of like um, Danny McBride in uh, Pineapple Express. I think he, you know, he's wearing a kimono, dog. Then uh, Michelle says, then you would have to say that Susie tried to look like, tr tried to look like, look like way, look, look like that way. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one. The Susie one's a definitely tricky one, you know, because I know she's not racist. She seems cool as hell. So, but here we go. I'm going to look at, here's, here's a lyric right here that is a problem. Okay, right here. Slanted eyes meet a new sunrise. A race of bodies, small in size, chicken chow mein and chop suey. That's fucking racist. Hands down, fucking racist. And that's where I have a problem with it. That is fucking racist. 
Just looking at those lyrics right there, slanted eyes meets a new sunrise, a race of bodies small in size, chicken chow mein and chops it. I would never write something like that. I would never personally write something like that. And side note, okay, uh, when I was in high school, this is for anyone that listens to this that might be in my high school. I went to South High School in 1995. Uh, they actually published a... Um, I, I did a a, uh, a poem about Bruce Lee and Brandon Lee, swear to God, because I think Brandon Lee died that year. And I did a, a, a poem. And then I had this picture of like Brandon and Bruce, like little Brandon doing a, a fight and big Bruce like doing a fist. And, and they published that in my yearbook. And I threw it out a window one time because I'm just a manic artist. And uh, if anyone has that, I would really love like a snapshot of it because I would love to see what the 18-year-old or 17-year-old or 18-year-old me wrote about Bruce and Brandon at that age. So... Oh, I believe me, I can, you said, uh, Michelle said, sorry about the typos. Oh, I can read between the lines. I can figure it out. I can figure what you, figure what you're meaning. Uh, okay. So not to change the subject, but, uh, there is a, um, I have an, a segment on this where my friend, Mike, uh, he's my best friend. He, he doesn't talk to me anymore because we've gotten arguments and I've been best friends with him since I was like 12. And, um, basically I'm trying to, uh, we stopped being friends about three years ago and it bums me out. So what I'm trying to do is, uh, get him back in my life because he's, you know, my best friend. So I had three strikes, you know, like why we're no longer friends. And so the first strike was, I talked about on the other show, was basically uh, we went to um, Red Man and Method Man and I got, I got sick. You know, I got, uh, I got sick and we had to leave. And at that point, uh, we didn't get to see Red Man and Method Man and it was really a bummer. And... Uh, it, it sucked. And, uh, then, so that was the first strike. And so the second strike I would say would be, uh, we got in a fight one time and it was such a, an intense fight that he said something like, uh, like, like I said, Hey man, how do you feel about the situation? And he said, whatever. He said, whatever. And I said, dude, don't say whatever. And he said, I said, if you're mad at me, just say, fuck you. And he said, whatever, man. And I was like, no, bro. Like, come on. Just, I want to hear you say, fuck you, not whatever. And he's all whatever, man. And then he kept saying that. And I said, dude, if you don't stop saying that, I swear I'm going to slap you. And and he said, he kept saying it. I'm all, just tell me to F off. Just tell me to, nope, whatever, man. And so at that point I got up, I'm all, if you don't tell, if you don't tell me just to fuck off right now, I swear I'm going to slap you in the face. And he's like, he's like, whatever, man. And then at that point I was like, and I really, I sat there and I smacked him. I smacked him in the face. 
and he looked at me and he was like he was bigger than me way bigger than me and then at that point he just got up because he knew it was going to be world war three he took off jumped in his car took off down like newport coast i try to follow him because i'm just an idiot i get pulled over by the cops the cops give me a ticket i try to get out of it my point is that was strike two so uh yeah at the end of this i'm gonna try to um, the next episode i'll talk about uh strike three and then hopefully re- we will resolve all this by the uh the last episode of the season which is coming up soon so let's see if i got anything more to cover is he worth having in your life yes he he is definitely because um my mom she had cancer when i was young and so at that point he lived with me and uh i was like 18 and she was going through chemotherapy and she was purple and green and he lived with me and i would come in and look at him and be like dude my mom's gonna fucking die and he would be like bro shut up she's not gonna die she's gonna be fine and it looked like she was gonna die and i was convinced and he just wouldn't let me wouldn't let me feel like she was gonna die ever and so when people do that for you it doesn't matter what they do like i don't care if he really never talks to me again just the fact that he was there for me when i needed somebody at that age was very important so uh that's maybe why i'm trying to get back in his life so much because he really did so much for me as a as a human being so um i want to just try to do stuff for him you know i try to make him a manager of my band and i always just try to include him in my life so hopefully at the end of all this i can try to get him i I have a magic trick that i'm gonna do i have a magic trick that i'm gonna try to try to do at the end of all this so hopefully it'll work And, and if he doesn't ever talk to me again then maybe i need to examine myself <laughs> you know maybe i need to examine what i'm doing wrong in my life but uh you guys are the best so this is a song called dumpster girl this is by golden plates he was my very first guest on uh on the show so I'm gonna have this. But yeah, he he definitely is worth uh okay, so if you guys have seen our Instagram feed, uh he's the guy sitting on the I I posted a picture of us. We did graffiti when we were younger, and I did a a, a piece of it said ironically, end racism with a big world all around it. And uh, we did that when we were 15, and nothing's changed. And if you look at the Instagram thing, Instagram picture, he's the person sitting there in the picture. That's Mike. So, yeah, when people are there for you, you never forget them. You know, I'll never forget you, Julia. And it's cool to start getting to know you, Michelle. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. I'm stoked to just, we got like a thousand people now watching. This is a trip. You know, this was supposed to be just a fun little experiment to see what would happen. And now it's turning into something totally different, which is awesome. It's like self-discovery. Self-discovery. 
So the last thing I'm going to say before we end this is, uh, can you guys still hear me? Clocks went forward. Can you still hear me? That's good that the clocks went forward. So the last thing I'm going to say about the racism is, uh, you know, I think the world is like, I think the world's kind of like uh, the cantina, like the Star Wars cantina. You know, when you walk into the Star Wars cantina, when you see it, it, it what does it remind you of? You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a whole bunch of white people. You know, it's, it's, there's robots, there's green people, there's, there's so many different people in the Star Wars universe, and that show saved me from killing myself, that movie, when I was younger, because I was like a young boy, you know, and young boys are really detrimental, and, and at least I was very, uh, I had suicidal tendencies, there's no doubt about it. And so, um, at that point, uh, Star Wars kind of saved my life. And just thinking about the cantina, thinking about walking into the cantina. Yeah, we are all the same, Julia. And greetings, Amanda. You know, we are all the same. And saying that, uh, my, one of my favorite shows ended this week. It was, uh, Superstore. And that was completely a store about... A, a show about you know culture and different different people all together you know they covered every every part of the rainbows you had gay people you had latino people you had just everything you you had the you had what life really is the star wars cantina so i'm bummed to see uh, superstore go this is a shout out to superstore and I'm going to also do a free commercial too. Um, Shannon Lee has this, this enhancing energy pill that, uh, that comes from her dad, from Bruce Lee's, uh, like, I guess experiences and she's selling it on her, uh, her Instagram site. So if you look up Shannon Lee, Shannon Lee on, uh, Instagram on the gram, you will definitely see that. So I only got three more minutes, guys. I gotta, gotta take care and thanks again. Fight the earth real right to be free. No judgment without diversity. Life will be so dull. I agree. I agree. Might have to end it with that. No, I, believe me, I can read. Don't worry about your mistakes. I like your input. Your input is very important to me. If I was just sitting here talking, I would be extremely bored. So, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys. Oh, it was a, uh, it's kind of like people working at a grocery store you know and uh they were like a target store and they all just basically came from all different diversities and backgrounds and uh this one guy 
was going to get deported because he was living undocumented. And uh, there was just the stories of all different type of people, you know, Middle Eastern people, just, just the mishmash of what life really is. And it had six seasons. So hell yes, Amanda, nice, nice cyber meeting you straight up. And I'm stoked that you guys listen to the podcast. I really appreciate every freaking one of you. All two of you tonight, maybe three of you. So, life. That's what it's about. Next week, the show's going to be about... uh, It's going to be about Star Wars. The Star Wars Cantina. and, And just how it saved my life for real. So... I know it sounds cheesy and, and stupid, but Star Wars saved my life. And so did you guys. You guys have a great night.